0: All right, John Thirteen. Let's go. We, this is a, this is about the third or fourth Sunday we've preached here, and I mean, it's all happened in one day. Y'all know John Thirteen happened in one day, and I've made a month out of it so far. Um, but there's so much more in here. We're even leaving, so we're we're skipping rocks as we go through this passage because it is very important as we see things and it transitions. You'll see the the scene. We're here at the feast of Passover, and we're still the scene changing in Jesus <clears throat> washing His disciples' feet. Could you imagine in, in, the, in the Jewish custom that a rabbi, the leader, ever walking in all of his regalia, ever walking out and stopping to wash anyone's feet? That's a big no-no in Judaism, right? The rabbi does not wash your feet. You might wash his feet on a regular basis. You might honor him, but he, does never, he never bows down and washes your feet. That's the job in their culture of a slave. No one would go that low, but here Jesus, not just teacher, not just rabbi, but master, lord, he bends down takes his outer garment off, ties a towel to himself, and he washes his disciples' feet. He even explains, do you know what I did for you? And what did he do for them? He showed them. He demonstrated that even God himself bowed before these men and washed their feet, that they might be learners of the teacher how to actually do it to one another, to wash one another's feet. Has anybody ever washed anyone's feet? In some churches they say, well, this is God, Jesus did it, so he told us to do it, so we should wash everyone's feet and they have feet washing services where you just come and wash one another's feet. We're not one of those churches. It's not an ordinance of, of the church. I'll wash your feet. If you want your feet washed, I'll wash your feet. I like washing feet. I wash, My feet get tired so many times growing up, I didn't realize I got hand-me-downs and my feet killed me. And I didn't realize, I thought everybody had painful feet. I found out my mother just undersized me or gave my brother shoes is what it was. I was a baby of four. I'm just kidding. We got them old roses and Kmart shoes, I think, Them things killed my feet, and I thought my whole life you just had bad feet, right? So I like to wash my feet, and I always invite anyone that's in the house, even if you're a guest with us, I come in, draw the tub, hey, if y'all want your feet washed, come sit in the tub. You can ask Wendy. She'll come in, pile in, and hold her feet up, and then Mackenzie, would, when she was at home, she would come and pile in. So if you're ever at her home or I'm at your home, I'll wash your feet. It's not a big deal for me. So. But here in this culture, this was a big deal. So Jesus goes on further and and he transitions to, I'm not talking to all of you. All of you are not gonna be servant leaders because there's one of you that's gonna betray me. And as they hear this and as they see this, they're looking around and the Bible even talked about, we talked about last week, they're all puzzled about, is it me, who is it? Peter's like, ask him, ask him. Peter signs to John across from the table and ask him. Now we're gonna jump all the way down to where we are today in verse 30. Let's transition there so we'll actually see And today's sermon is this, God's plan, God's command. You're going to see it happen right here. This is the plan of God happening. It's like the door to the, the key to the door, it opens. Verse 30, having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately and it was night. Why does the Bible tell us it was night? You're going to see as we go through the message. Verse 31, so when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Verse 33, little children, this is a word it's not used, not a common word used, there's no word for this in Hebrew, it's in Greek. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me and as I said to the Jews, and it's really the Judaizers, the leaders of the Jews, because all these men are Jews, so the culture is Jews, Jesus is a Jew. So it's not Jews, it should be translated Judaizers or the leadership of the Jews. Where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men would know that you are my disciples if you have what, church? Love for one another. Then transition, verse 36. Peter completely misses this love Thing that Jesus said, he, he hung up on, wait a minute, I remember you telling those guys, those unbelievers, they can't come where you're going, not me, right, because what's Peter giving up to this point, he's giving up the fishing business, he's given up everything in his life to actually follow Jesus, and now Jesus is saying, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't follow me, not now, Peter says, I'm following you, I'm in. Watch what he says. Watch Peter transition. This sounds like you and me if we're not careful. If you're just a church attender, this should hit you in the mouth today, right? If, you, if you're a faithful follower of Christ, you'd say amen. But if you're just a regular church attender, this is a picture of who you are right here. You give a good mouth to it, right? You talk about it, but you don't walk it. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, am going, you cannot follow me. What What's your Bible say? Now, but. There's a transition. What's going to happen? But you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. He, he, this is the same reference. If you look at this reference and study it, you remember when Abraham put Isaac on the altar? Isaac wasn't forced on the altar. He surrendered himself that Abraham might wrap him up and place him as a sacrifice on the altar. He actually, most commentators believe he got it on the altar himself. In full submission, obedient to his Father, to be a sacrifice. This is what Peter's saying here I will sacrifice my life, even to death, Lord. I will do this for you. And Jesus responds, and listen, 38 this is how Jesus responds today to many of us that we make promises Oh, how I love Jesus. We sing the same songs everybody sings. We pray similar prayers, people pray. We read the same Bible sometimes that people read. But here we are. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Will you sacrifice your life for me? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times." This is how it is in the world today. I mean, we think Judas is bad, right? Judas betrayed Jesus, but he had a motive. He wanted to see uh, uh, insurrection. He wanted to see a fight. He wanted to be in the prominent position of the Messiah if Jesus was the Messiah. And I, I personally believe that Judas did not believe that Jesus was God nor did he believe that he was the Messiah. Something in his heart would not believe. But then we have Peter on the book end that we call him Saint Peter today, right? And we get all kinds of different names for him in different churches, but Peter, Jesus said you'll deny me before the rooster crows three times. How do you think Peter felt? We'll see. Right? Cuz Peter was he was an arrogant cocky man if you look at his his resume. He went through and let's look at the notes. I want to see this and get to this quickly because there's some other scriptures we need to have a look at. Look at your notes if you would, right into the the back of the bulletin. Judas left the meal celebration, right? It's the Passover feast. We're talking about it's the time of actually eating together or coming up and this was the meal in preparation. He went off into the darkness of night to complete the sinful deal he had struck with the chief priests and elders. And we say, how do you know he struck a, a, a deal? Because when Jesus is arrested, he'll run back to that same place Throw those thirty pieces of silver on the ground and say, "I have betrayed innocent blood." And the chief priests and elders will say, "What's that to us? We don't care. You've done, he'd done what we want you to do." And they'll take the money and buy the Potter's Field, place of the poor, to be buried. The place where actually uh, Scripture prophesied. We'll see that that actually Scripture said this would happen. So Judas is out. When Judas left, Jesus spoke clearly to his disciples of God's holy design plan. Because if you get it in verse 32, you'll get all crossed up with how many times the word glorify, is. it goes back and forth. It's like a ping pong match. Jesus says now in verse 31, now the Son of Man is glorified uh, and God is glorified in Him. What does that mean? All praise and honor that we sang this morning goes to Jesus because if you will uh, pull the trigger, watch this, as soon as you, if you shoot a weapon or you shoot a bow and arrow, as soon as you pull a trigger or let go, what happens? That puts that arrow in flight. or that bullet or whatever might be, in flight. And this is what Jesus was saying. When Judas went out into the darkness to do his sinful deed, that was the arrow, if you will, that put Jesus' trajectory in flight. This is Thursday, y'all. This is one day, all 13's happening. This is Thursday. What happens on Friday? We call it good, but it was the worst thing that could happen on the planet, right? We call it Good Friday. Jesus dies on a cross. Jesus is going to die, if you will, tomorrow. Really, as the Jewish... Day starts. It starts at six p.m. goes all around. So it didn't start. We start the mornings and say that's day one. Uh, if you look at the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He started in the evening and the morning with day one. We go morning and evening is day one. So just make sure when you count, don't count it biblically. Don't count backwards. But Jesus is saying tomorrow, if you will, soon as it's light, crucifixion is going to happen. I'm going to die because it's the Passover, and right when they're slaughtering the Passover lambs is right when Jesus Christ dies on the cross. The Passover lamb. Isn't that amazing to think about how God's perfect timing was. He didn't waste any time. He didn't waste any event. He didn't waste any personalities. He went straight to his plan. And Jesus said, listen, and now the father is glorified and the son has glorified the son and vice versa. He's brought praise and honor to me because the Jesus obviously say things that people heard in the scripture was recorded. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased at his baptism. We see him at the Mount of Transfiguration where God speaks. And now we see him here at the cross and, and getting ready to go to the cross, and Jesus says, I've done it. It's the, the arrows in flight. God's plan is happening. I was born for this reason, for the very reason that I was born and came into this world, born of a virgin because it was God's plan that he had to have a sinless lamb to die for sinful man. You're the sinful man. You're the sinful woman, and you had to have somebody die for you because God requires the blood. He requires life from the blood. And that's when we sing about the blood of Jesus Christ. We say, listen, he did this for you and he did it for me. Go over with me if you would to Philippians. I see it up on the screen there. If you go to Philippians together. Philippians, and we read this I think last week as well, but we're going to read a portion of it this week. Philippians chapter 2 and go to verse 6. Watch what Paul says, verses 6 to 11. And we might as well read verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who Being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant coming in the likeness of men. He came in flesh. Jesus took on skin. When you hear the word, he came incarnate, that means he came with skin on. He was born of Mary. Listen, supernaturally placed in her womb. She was a virgin. virgin gave birth to Jesus Christ, who was God and is God, but he took on flesh, the Bible tells us. And being found in appearance as a man, verse eight, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the what? The cross. Therefore God has given highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Pull a name out there that you think is important. I'll, I'll give you one better. Anybody that's done has been a hero in history, anyone that's done something great for mankind, pull out any name, I'll give you a greater one. His name is Jesus. His name is greater than all names, above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Question simply is, last week and this week, who will bow their knees before Jesus Christ? No matter if you're a Christian, not a Christian, who will bow their knees? Raise your hand if you're going to bow your knee and look around, everybody will bow their knee. No matter who you are, you don't get a choice. Now let's continue your notes. Go back to your notes. Look at the title Jesus used of himself in verse 31. Son of man, to emphasize his servanthood and his humility, he came in the form of a man. Could you imagine God of the universe who created all things, who created Adam and Eve out of dust and out of bone, he would actually take on the very form that he created? How humiliating is that? He would limit some of his powers, if you will, because he didn't, he didn't bring everything to, to bear when he was in the body. How, could you imagine God restraining himself that way? He humbled himself to become a man. That's bad enough, but he humbled himself to be a man who died on the cross. Yes, 100% God, but 100% man as well. How do we explain that? The answer is we can't explain it. We look at those titles, and we just know this to be true. God took on flesh and died of death. All of mankind deserved. We deserved that death. Jesus paid it all. And you can go back and read in Romans 5 8. It simply says this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Colossians 1.13 13 and 14, Paul tries to tell us listen, this is what he did for you. This is what he did for me. Go to your next point there. And look at verse 31 and 32. Jesus brought honor and glory to the Father through his obedience. Jesus was God's fullest example of love on display. Now, this is where we get hit sometimes. Are you always obedient to God's commands? Do you know all of God's commands? Because we say in the Bible, we say, listen, we believe the Bible is God's word, and we never read it. How can we believe it if we don't read it? If we don't know it, you can't say, I believe it. You must spend time with it. You must spend time with God. Otherwise, you're you're lying in church. Because if I said, and I'm not going to do it, how many of y'all believe the Bible is God's holy word and you believe it from cover to cover? Most churches, people will raise their hand, but if you haven't read it cover to cover, that's a lie. You're, you're wasting time saying something that's not true. You must read it cover to cover, understanding that, listen, God has a plan for us, God has a word for us, and God has a will in life. His plan is constantly being fulfilled. Even in your personal lives, you're not Jesus, amen? Spouses can in that quicker than right. You're not Jesus, but God has a personal plan for your life. Meaning, his will is always continuously happening. Will you be a part of his will? The only way to be a part of his will is to be obedient to what he calls you to do. You say, well, I don't know what he's called me to do. You haven't asked him. You might ask him flippantly. James says, listen, it's a blessing when you go through different trials, temptations. Listen, but let a man ask of God for wisdom. Don't be like the ocean, back and forth, being thrown back and forth. Maybe God will answer, maybe he won't. God will always answer your prayers, always. He's gonna say yes, he's gonna say no, he's gonna tell you to wait, or you might do like he did Paul and say, my grace is sufficient for you. But God will always ask, answer your prayers. And Jesus said, you don't have because you're not asking. And if you don't know that's in scripture, you'll never ask, you'll just say, woe is me. Every time you talk to somebody, how are you doing today? well, my life's pretty terrible. I just, uh, you know, finances are too bad and my health's not, <laughs> not that good. <laughs> we constantly, over and over, and we talk about the person that we think is the middle of the universe. Me, myself, and I, instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Get your focus off yourself and get into the Word of God. and You'll say, oh, that's the nature of God. Because somebody says, I don't know what God's thinking about this. Watch this. And I know there's a couple of children in here. What does God think of homosexuality? Does he speak on it? Clearly in Scripture, it's an abomination to the Lord, is what he says. What does he think about abortion? God is the giver of life. He hates murder. Thou shalt not murder, take life of anyone. You say, what about war and what about other times? Listen, there's just war when you look into the Word of God, and that's another sermon for another day, but you look at what God's nature is. His nature is L-O-V-E. The Bible says God is love in 1 John. So if God is love, now love's not God. Don't get it backwards because it don't go backwards. That's how people try to get That's what happens in our world today. They're saying love is God. My God's the God of love who fill in the blank. God's a, he's a just God. He's a God of love. That's his nature. He's light. God is the God of light. That's why I think the comparison there is to darkness. That Judas went out into the sinful darkness. In the cover of night, he went out to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus already knew what he was doing. Jesus even commissioned him, go do it. What you're doing? Listen, the bow is stretched. Go. And then that's when Jesus says, okay, fellas, before I leave, tomorrow's coming. I need to tell you something really quick. I'm leaving. What? We left our fishing business. I left my tax collector job. We've been on you for three years, and now you're telling us you're leaving? you imagine how they felt? That's why he refers to them as little children. Let's, I'll show you in the notes. It's pretty amazing that he would love them so tenderly like only God can, that he would call them this and bring about their fears and their phobias, whatever they might have. So Jesus brought honor to the Lord and glory to the Father. Jesus promised that God the Father would glorify him immediately. When did this happen? This occurred when? with Jesus' death on the cross, burial, and resurrection. He said if he would be lifted up, he would draw who? All men to him. You can go anywhere in the world and we talk about Jesus today. The name of Jesus either draws you in or offends you greatly. You can say, well, I, I like Jesus too, but as we had some folks that were of another faith that has multiple gods, came to our school and wanted to be a part of our school, and they said, we'll just take Jesus too, it's no problem. We'll just add him in as one of our, one of our gods, it's no problem. I said, oh, the problem's with us and with the Word of God, because he must be the only God, because he is, right? There is no other God besides God. Amen. And Listen, no matter what you say, how loud you toot your horn, blow your horns at the time of prayer, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what your opinion is, no matter what your mama or grandpa or whoever told you, no matter what your preacher says or your imam or your priest, there is only but one name that we must be saved his name is Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Messiah. The end. You said, well, I don't like that. That's too, that's too dogmatic. I didn't say it. Listen, originally it was, I'm quoting what the Lord says. There is but one God, and every knee will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? To the glory of God the Father. Well, continue, watch this. He told him, listen, this is going to happen immediately, and it did happen. When Jesus was crucified, it happened immediately. Listen, he glorified the Lord because he brought about all that tremendous torture that his poor body took. Right? And most scholars believe Jesus would have died that same day had he not been crucified because they beat him where his insides were coming out. His intestines were seeping through his skin to come out because they, how they beat him so badly, uh, torturing him, that he actually could barely carry the cross. And even though he couldn't carry the cross, when it was all said and done, someone had to carry it for him. Could you imagine the blood of our, Jesus, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ dripping down your neck when you're just a bystander looking on? And you won't fully understand that. Can you imagine sitting in Town Creek Baptist Church today knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you and for me because. We didn't deserve it, but he humbled himself to do it for you and for me. What a great God do we serve. Would you agree? Well, watch what he does. Jesus told his disciples of his imminent departure. He knew they would be like little children who would face fear. you imagine? <laughs> when Jesus says, hey, listen, I know it's getting tight, and there's a lot of stuff going on. I just told you whenever you're going to betray me, but I'm leaving. Excuse me, Right? Well, Lord, we have families because Peter had a, we know Peter was married, had a family. His mother-in-law was healed by Jesus. Lord, what are you saying? You're leaving. What would that happen to you if you think you've given up everything that you own to follow this man, this rabbi, this teacher, this Lord, this miracle worker, and now today he tells you, "Um, I'm leaving, and where I'm going, you can't come yet. How would you feel? This is what I put in your notes. This is, listen, that's why he calls them this word. Little children, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, or the Judaizers, where I am going, you cannot come. And now I say to you. Now he was telling them that he's going somewhere. And I want you to see what he said to the Judaizers. Go to John 7, if you would. It's in your notes just a few, how many months ago has that been? It's been some time ago, hasn't it? John 7, here's where he speaks to the Judaizers, those leaders. Verse 32. Look, Jesus speaks to believers, those who will believe in him, and he speaks to unbelievers, those who will not believe in him. Jesus has always been just to give out the truth. How many times do I preach on Sunday, right? Sunday after Sunday, for 13 years I've been preaching, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I don't think my message has changed, right? Since I've become a Christian, I was saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. I know my message had not changed. I'm not a very good preacher, but listen, the Word of God is perfect, amen? forever and ever. So I've been preaching the same thing for 13 years. How many people have come under the hearing of the Word of God, come to a catalyst lesson, come to a Sunday school, come to a discipleship, left this church and was lost as they were when they came in the doors? They heard the truth. They were like Judas. They wanted something from Jesus, but not what he wanted to offer. They wanted a different flavor. These Judaizers, listen, they didn't want to lose their job. They'll take a little Jesus, but they want themselves in authority. Watch what he says to them. We covered this some time ago. John 7 32, watch what he speaks. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little longer, a little while longer, and then I will go to him who sent me. Who's he talking about? Where's he going? He's going to heaven to the Father. Verse 34 You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Why could they not come? because they would not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They refuse to believe. So therefore, if you refuse to believe, listen to me today, here if, you come to our, if you're a guest or a member today or been hanging out here for some time, if you refuse to believe, put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will not go to heaven. You cannot go to heaven. There is no other side door. There is but one narrow way to heaven, Matthew 7, and Jesus Christ is king waiting on the other side. You will come by the way of the cross or you will not come at all. If you don't go to heaven, you're going to hell. There is no intermediary area to float around hoping that your family members pay your way out or bribe your way out or pray your way out. You can't do it. Our Catholic friends have it wrong. You don't float around. That's why there's no ghost today. There's no human ghost floating around, out of body floating around, the paranormal mess that's on TV and other places. Ghosts aren't real. There's one ghost and it's the Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Spirit is another word for him but there are no ghosts floating and waiting to have a new body or, or go somewhere. The Bible says if you're a Christian absent from the body, present with the Lord, and if you're actually not a Christian, you're going straight to the place of torment, to the place of hell. There is no in-between, there's none. The Bible speaks of none, just heaven or hell. There's eternity waiting for all of us today based on what we do with Jesus Christ. Will you accept him? If the answer is yes, you're on your way to heaven. If your answer is no, or I'm not sure, I want to wait, then you're on your way to hell. Only listen, when the Lord comes to you, can you respond to Him? You won't say, tomorrow, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week. You will not do it next week until the Lord says, now's the time to come. The Bible says He must invite you to come before you come. Let's get this, listen, Jesus earlier told the unbelieving Judaizers that He was leaving that they would seek Him, and where He was going, they would never go. They thought he was going into exile or going to commit suicide, the Bible tells us. They thought he was going to go kill himself. Well, I want you to see that in Matthew. Same thing there in John 8, 18-24. You can read that on your own. He addresses them very directly again. Continue. In your notes, 34-36, through 36, Jesus informed his disciples that they would seek him, but then he tells them about a new commandment in the middle of their fear. They're stressed out. They're anxious. He just said he's leaving. That's all they heard, right? One of you going to betray me? They got all stirred up about that. Judas leaves. Jesus said, listen, now the Father's glorified. I'm glorifying him. He's glorifying me. There's a lot of confusion going on. And then all of a sudden, he says, I'm leaving. But here's, I'm going to give you a new command before I leave, that you love one another. They're still stuck. Wait a minute. We're still in chapter one. You don't move to chapter two. You're leaving? What is that about? And then we see very clearly that Jesus said, there's a new command I give you. Now, this command is in Leviticus, if you go back and look. This command was given of God that you love one another, that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what is he saying about the new command? I want you to see this. This popped out to me. That you love one another, they could not follow him where he was going now, but would follow afterwards. Look at the next note. This is you and me, look look at us. See if you find yourself here, and if you don't, I'll turn to Galatians 5 and I'll find you real quick. The disciples were prideful, anybody prideful, competitive, not to a good way, Not, not trying to win for the game, but trying to be first in everything in front of everybody. They drove on Whiskey Road, right? Uh, they were fighters. You'll see uh, James and John were called sons of thunder. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and melt all these Samaritans? We want to just crush all these people. Should we call down fire, Lord? Could you imagine hanging out with people like that? that just wanted to kill people just because they were in their way. They didn't let them have access to a road. So let's just kill them all. That sounds like us, doesn't it, right? We might not verbalize it, but you sure think it in your heart. If you talk about somebody in a gossip way, if you text about somebody, if you're on social media in a certain way, if you think a certain way, the Bible says, as a man think it, so is he. What comes out of the mouth comes out of the heart. and What comes out of the fingertips comes out of the heart. If you think evil of somebody, you've killed that person if you've done it in anger. You've murdered that person. So we find ourselves here. They were given to outbursts of anger. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. I, I feel sorry for you if you're an angry person. You learn that from somebody else. The Bible says don't hang around an angry person because you'll learn their ways. So That's a way that you've learned. You've learned an angry person's ways. You've got to work through that with the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't overcome that, but man, that's a, that's a tough hill to climb. And uh, There is some scripture if you ever need help with that, especially that one. I can't help you with anxiety, I can give you scripture, but I've never been anxious for anything. I, we've had a lot of missile shot at us, a machine gun fire. People said ugly words, people hate us in the military. So if you say something ugly to me, it just, it's water off a duck's back. I don't understand being anxious about anything. But I do understand these other things, fighting and being competitive, wanting to be first and being arrogant. Look, they they were arrogant men. They were arguing, who's going to be the first? Who will sit on the right side and left side when Jesus comes in? When Jesus is king, I'm sitting there because I'm going to hear everything that's been said and I'm going to rule like he rules. And if you ever needs to go take a bathroom break, he'll give me the scepter, right? That's, these men were so arrogant. Even their mother said, hey, can James and John sit on each side of you when you come into your kingdom? Their mother was arrogant. Yes, women can be arrogant as well. Amen? You didn't have to that. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But I want you to see, amongst all the other things, Galatians 5, I gave you that scripture. You can go look at the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. This is why he said, Jesus command to love one another would prove crucial for these men in fulfilling God's plan. There is reference in the Bible that these men turned the world upside down. They made a difference for the kingdom of God. The very men who were called little children. You imagine being called a little child as a grown man. You're a tough fisherman. You got muscles for days because you've been pulling in those nets your whole life. Your thought process, Luke, you got different men there, they're educated to the point of action, they know what they're doing, and Jesus comes up and calls you little children. You would think it sounds like an insult, but they took it as, listen, he understands me. Peter will say later, listen, could you, could we go back, I skipped it up, but we need to say it, because we know Peter is rebuked by Jesus first, one time he says, listen, get behind me Satan. Can you imagine being called Satan by God himself? And then. You think Jesus got in his face right here? Was this confrontational? I'm telling you, listen, before the rooster crows, and I believe he even knew the name of the rooster. I really do. Before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny, deny me three times. Go to First Peter and look at that. what Peter says. This is the arrogant Peter who we, we sometimes, like I say, we can trash talk him all we want because we're on the backside of history. This has already happened. But look at First Peter chapter 5, we back up and look at this. Just two verses, six and seven. And by the way, I would encourage you, you can read First Peter in 20 minutes, if you would take time just to read the Word of God and see a man who was so radically changed by God that, listen, he went from this arrogant, fighting, angry, frustrated man wanting to be first to this loving, humble man. He was not perfect because he even gets called out in Scripture by Paul later on. He's not a perfect man. Jesus Christ won't make you perfect, no matter what they say on Christian radio. Now, the Holy Spirit seals that one part of you, that's wherever it is, that secret spot. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's perfect. You've been sealed for the day of redemption, but you will sin as soon as you get saved. You'll walk out and do something and say, oh, what am I doing, Lord, I'm sorry. And over and over you'll grow in your sanctification. But look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 real quick with me before we leave. Therefore, humble yourselves, should that have been advice Peter gave himself back in the day when Jesus said, listen, where I'm going, you can't go right now, but you're going to go later. Peter said, I'll die for you. I'll sacrifice my life for you. Is that humble? No, he was arrogant, there was no love in his life. He's like, I'll tell you what I'd do. You ever heard those people from the country? I'm from Pauline. They swelped their chest, I'll tell you what I'd do, right? No, you wouldn't, you're just talking trash because we're sitting around the campfire, you're sitting here doing something that you know if you're faced with the temptation of the problem, you would run. Watch verse five, six, this is Peter, this is the Christian version of Peter, right? This is the changed version. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Would you say Peter's exalted today because we call him Saint Peter, right? Many, we talked about, does anybody name their child Judas? Most No, most people named their dogs or mean roosters Judas, right? Maybe the rooster's name was Judas in the Bible, I don't know. But how many people do you know named Peter? Does anybody know uh, somebody named Peter? I do. I know multiple people named that. Verse 7 is so beautiful, watch this, think of these men, anxious, fearful scared, don't know what they're going to do tomorrow because Jesus said he's leaving. And then they experienced all the crucifixion, but that was a mess, getting messed up with the Romans. It looks like war's going to go off. Peter's going to cut somebody's ear off here shortly, right? He's going to whack them in the head and cut cut their ear off. He he was a warrior at heart, but look at verse 7, casting all your care upon him, why, church? He cares for you. Are you anxious today, fearful today, stressed out today? No matter where you find yourself today, listen, cast all your cares, all your anxiety, some translations say, on him because, say it with me, he cares for you. He cares for you. That's the Lord that we serve. We don't serve some tyrant shooting lightning bolts from heaven saying, right, you missed that one up, right? In love, he constantly, he corrects us and through his word, he answers us. When you say, Lord, what should I do? I don't know how to answer. He'll say, answer in love, respond properly. Listen, every prayer you will pray, every single prayer, you'll find the answer. If it's in the will of God, you'll find the answer right here in the Bible. You say, well, how can that be? This is a 2,000 plus year old text. Trust me and see. Every prayer, Lord, what should I do? The righteous thing. Well, what's the right thing to do? I don't know where it's school to go to. Will God open doors for you of opportunity? Scriptures replete how he moves things through his time. Listen, his will is always happening. And if you can imagine God, He's not limited by 2022 or 2000 or pick an AD or BC, He's not limited by any of that. Imagine if you would, God's kind of in the circle and He's in the middle looking and time is irrelevant for Him because He's not inside of time going with us through time, right? He is standing outside of time because He created it watching and so yesterday is the same today as it is tomorrow. There is no distinguishing of time but His will is being done within our calendar and our clock. Do you understand that? His will is being done. God's not getting older. He's not an old man. He didn't look in the mirror and go, "Well, I remember when I was 7,000, 850,000, whatever years old, a million years old. He's never getting older. He's God. He's outside of time. That should be a comfort to you and to me. Well, here we go. Jesus commanded his disciples to be identified as those who love. Love. You will actually be the people who love. And finally Peter didn't listen to Jesus, he wanted to be what Peter wanted and Jesus rebuked Peter. How a terrible way to end the sermon. But that's how the scripture ends in verse 13, verse 14, chapter 14 is going to get real beautiful next week because he says, listen, don't worry, I'm trying to tell you, I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming to get you. Ain't that a good news? Think about, listen, we might be going to see him soon, right? We don't know if we're going to die tomorrow, today. But here's the deal. No matter where we find ourselves as Christians, He's waiting on us. When we live this life, what do we do? We pick up and all of our arrogance, competitiveness, whatever it might be that wants to fight and put us first, we've got to learn to humble ourselves before God and wait for Him to exalt us like He did Peter. And then as we live day by day, we cast our burdens on Him because He cares for us. You say, well, I wish Jesus was here. I wish I could just, like, if I could just talk to Jesus right now, I'd just dump everything on him. You can. But you know what he said, what else in the word? For the church, his people, his bride, his future bride, to bear one another's burdens. So guess where you get to throw your burdens today? Look around. Just go ahead and take a look. I know it feels uncomfortable to look at people you might not know. Look around. Look, no, turn around and actually look around. Look, look turn around and look at these people. There's all kinds of funny faces I have to see every Sunday. Hey, if you're a Christian and you're a member of Town Creek Baptist Church, especially here, listen, the Bible says people can bring their junk to you. And what do we do? You don't carry it completely for them, what do you do? You hook up and there's ropes attached and you take it to the cross with them, take them straight to Jesus, because that's the burden release, that's where you go to, is to Jesus. But my job, your job as Christians, is let's do it together. My job is to equip you, how to, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Then I'll give you a daily assignment to read the Word of God, and He will show you how to do it. Listen, we serve a good God. It's bulletproof, right? And if I do take a bullet, I'm going to heaven. So what's the big deal, right? But His Word's bulletproof. His Word is forever true. It worked for the church 20 years ago, because everybody says, times are getting so bad. They killed Jesus 2,000 years ago. Was that a bad time? They used to put dip Christians in oil and set them on fire by their hair. Is that a bad time? Yeah, it's never been a good time when sin's been in the world. Cain took a big rock and smashed his brother's skull in. That was the first person, first human ever born and the second human ever born. So as time been bad, since sin entered the world, Times have been bad. So yeah, it's getting, it's getting crazy as we see it, but it's always been that way as long as sin's been here. But here's the deal, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. We all can do that together, right? I want to scream, but I might lose my voice. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you so much that your word is true. It's holy. It's dependable. And Lord, as you told your disciples, this was planned. This was part of God's holy plan that Judas would go do his thing. It was even foretold in Jeremiah and Zechariah that he would sell you for 30 pieces of silver, that a land would be bought with that money. Lord Judas went to his own place, he betrayed Jesus without forgiveness and I pray really and truly Lord my heart is that no one would ever leave this world especially if I've preached or taught them or shared with them, they would ever leave this place without asking Jesus Christ to come into their heart and lives. Father Judas went to hell, Peter went to heaven and both of them denied you. One committed suicide, one humbly asked for forgiveness. Father, may we have the model even if we're arrogant, competitive, angry, anxious. Lord, we fill in the blank of sins because we're human and you know each one of them. Lord, I pray we'd be more like Peter, that we would actually humble ourselves, use his own advice. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because your hand is mighty. There is no big problems with you and there are no little problems with you. You're there to carry us through today we say thank you. But Father, I would be remiss if Lord, if we didn't give an invitation to invite people to come and give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Young people struggle with trying to fit in. and Middle-aged people try to f- struggle with trying to make ends meet and job chances and colleges and Lord, so much marriage and so many things are on our agendas. May we submit our full agendas to you. Know that your will will be done, and help us to be obedient as Jesus was obedient, inevitably as the disciples were obedient. Lord, help us keep in mind that we're going where you are, because you've saved our souls. Father, I pray for all of us in attendance, those watching by video today, that Lord, we be the people of God you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, for his sake, amen.